Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Let's give the worship team another hand. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. All right. Amen. All right, church. We're going to have a reading. This is from the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians chapter 2. I know that uh, some of you guys are grabbing your phones. You, like me, uh, tend to maybe read it from your phone rather than uh, uh, a scripture that you have, and that's all good uh, as long as you're accessing God's Word. But let me just kind of give you something. This is something that has been out for a long time, but it's something that you might be interested in downloading for yourself on your own phone. It's called Version. You can search for uh, Version, and by the way, that's U version, not the letter U, but the U. And uh, there's a lot of little notes in there as well as a really good uh, audio Bible. So if you have had some problems and some glitches with some of the Bible programs that I've had, uh, you know, an opportunity to recommend in the past, I encourage you, the one that I'm using recently on my uh, iPad and on my phone is called Version, and it is definitely a good one. If you want to use that, please do download that. And uh, don't spend the next 30 minutes when I'm preaching downloading it. All right, do that when you get home. That's all I'm saying. All right. Eric, go ahead. Mental note. Got it. Yeah, mental note. Yeah, text yourself or something. (laughs) There you go. All right, so Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. The heading here is spiritual fullness in Christ. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. In verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been taught, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, bless these words from our pastor as he comes forward. Open our hearts and our minds to hear from you this morning. Amen. I just want to take a quick minute, go ahead and dismiss the teens. The teens, if you're in here still, you would like to go back to the back. Uh, Eric and uh, the kids are, uh, they're kids to me. I'm sorry, teenagers, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. Young people, uh, yes, go ahead and go on back there with them. He's uh, geared towards you. He'll give you more information about camp, which is coming up. You do not want to miss those things and all that's going to be happening. So definitely enjoy yourself back there, teenagers. Hey, if you were there in that passage of scripture from Colossians chapter 2, please keep your fingers there. Go ahead and keep your phones close by. We're going to come back and refer to that. And of course, as you know, I usually try to put that up on the screen, but also there will be times where we're referring back to that and you may want to take a look at it. So we're in the uh, sermon series, the teaching series that we're calling Empty. Empty things, empty places, empty people. And in many ways, this is something that we have not just experienced in the physical realm. In other words, you guys probably remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everything felt very, very empty because restaurants were not open, but you could go in and you could look around and this 
thriving place, uh, this bustling spot that you used to go, had nobody in there, people just kind of coming in, grabbing stuff, leaving. You know, the only place that was really busy was the grocery stores, right? Amen? I mean, like, that was like the only place that was actually busy the way that the old school way was. And uh, roads were empty and even stayed that way for a long period of time. But the thing that we have seen that we really can take away, I mean, I'm sorry to say that Houston traffic is always going to be terrible, right? I mean, it just is what it is. You're not going to beat Houston traffic and you're not going to be able to drive in a way that you used to during the pandemic. That's just not going to happen. But I will tell you that one of the things that we come away with from the backside of the pandemic as it kind of begins to fade or become normalized or however you want to term it, um, the thing is, is that we know that one of the biggest empty spots that we find is the empty spot that's left among us whenever we are disconnected. And that's not just simply disconnected from one another, but most importantly, that's disconnected from God. And I'm just going to say something real quickly. For many of us, the pandemic was... A difficult time because this thing that we're doing here together has an energy that is different than what's going on with just you guys at home. And now I'm not trying to pick at you or pick on you, but the truth is, is that you guys have been on, you've seen Zoom. Shoot, I even did Zoom one time because I caught COVID. Uh, I had to preach and watch myself preach. That was not pleasant. I promise that was not fun. If any of you guys have ever heard yourself on an answering machine, you can appreciate that I sat there and watched my whole message and had to listen to my voice that I hate. Uh, I hopefully y'all don't hate it the way that I do, but it was horrible, right? But it's just very, very different. There's just something different about being in person. You know this. You know that meetings are a different vibe and a different energy whenever you're there rather than when you're online. And so it is hard for us to get back to the new normal because we've had things introduced in our life and in our world. But I got to tell you that ultimately, moving forward, we don't want to remain separated forever because the truth is, is we found that to be empty. The truth is, is that there is something that happens and something that actually physically happens whenever you are with people, that you literally begin to sync up where your eyes and your pupils dilate at the same rate and level as mine. Your heartbeat begins to sync with mine. It, you, you can throw in your own corny, uh, you know, 1980s uh, rock power ballad here about two hearts beating at the same time. I mean, whatever you want to say, but it is a physical phenomenon that literally when you are in the same room with people and you begin to have this energy, we call it synergy, we call it symbiosis, we call it grooving, we call it vibing, we call it all different kinds of things, but it all comes down to us being together. And it is so important that we grasp as we're doing these new things that kind of bring us back into the things that we used to do, there is something that has been missing. And I'm going to be honest, I'm struggling because I know, unfortunately, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day, somebody not involved, uh, somebody that is involved in the church telling me about a conversation they had with someone outside the church. And he said, well, what's your situation? Are you guys going to church? And they said, no, we, we stopped during COVID. And he said, well, uh, are you watching online? They said, no, we're not watching online. And they said, well, why not? He said, it's just not the same. We just don't enjoy it. It's not really the same kind of vibe or feeling that it was in person. And so literally, and a person has that kind of situation you're going literally months and even years without feeding the spiritual side of your life. And that does not come without consequences. And if you are like many people, you have found that the pandemic has left you feeling that way, that way, empty. It's left you feeling in some ways disconnected and kind of disconcerted about your own life. And so I encourage you, as difficult as it may be, there is a line that you eventually have to cross and say, you know what, whatever this looks like, I'm coming back. We, we've literally provided folks wristbands that are red, so if you want to make sure and keep distance, I get it. Um, you know, that's no problem. We're not trying to make you do anything that you feel uncomfortable with. We're not asking you to wear masks or not. We're leaving that in your court, but ultimately, 
There is a line that you're going to have to cross and say, I'm getting back to normal in all of the other areas of my life. I can't just simply leave the spiritual area to hopefully get better when it probably is not something that you've been feeding for a long time. And how many of you guys have read different things going on in the world that say, hey, the, the, the depression, the anxiety, all of these different things are spiking like never before. And all of that happening whenever we are out of connection with one another and the emptiness that we feel in our world is on the rise. Um, I, I actually was going to talk about some other things here, but I spent a little longer than I intended initially. Money, uh, time well spent, don't get me wrong, my intention was not to say all those things, but I'm going to keep moving on. And I do want to talk about Colossians chapter 2. And what I've been doing up to this point is, is I've been talking about the Chosen series. How many of you guys are watching the Chosen series? All right, a handful of you guys are watching it. How many of you are loving the, the, the Chosen series? It's great, right? Um, and let me ask you a question. How many of you are further along than me? I, am, I just finished episode four last night. How many of you guys are further along than me? L- literally every one of you. Shelly, why are you raising your hand? You're not supposed to be... Okay, so yeah, that's just the way that it is, right? Um, I'm running a little bit behind you, but I did jump ahead and re or, uh, watch one without Shelly. I hope we can still be friends, sweetie. Um, so yes, it is great. Last night, I got an opportunity to watch episode four. That is the one with the miraculous catch. Isn't that an incredible scene? Like, that's so awesome, right? I give it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. And we've been looking back and forth between one another where Shelly's on one side of the room and I'm on the other. And we're going back and forth like, I'm not crying, you're crying. No, I'm not crying, you're crying, you know. And uh, it is just such a powerful thing. Here's what I know. I've been trying to weave some of those stories that are in The Chosen into the message series. But I wanted to take a little bit of a step back. I do want to still talk about empty And if you heard, and if you even listened to the the quote that uh, began the message uh, from God's word that Eric read, it is about spiritual fullness in Christ. And you can see the opposite of empty is full. And so you can see where I'm going with this. And I want to take a minute just to kind of sit down and take a few moments to explain some things that you and I need to talk about, need to go a little deeper on, and need to grasp. The stories are great, but there is also the doctrinal side, and I want to share a little bit of the doctrinal side. Don't, don't worry, I'm going to try my very best to make sure that you are still engaged. Stories are easier, I get that, but I think you will see some things in this passage that will be powerful. Now, very quickly, here's where we've been. We've been with Andrew and Simon Peter. The very first week, we talked about Simon Peter and how he got up and left his fishing nets and how he began to follow Christ. The second week, we talked about Matthew and how he left the, the, the tax collector's table and followed Christ, and we've been in those places already. And then we talked about the woman at the well, and we'll see her a little later on in this slide presentation. But here is the deal. I want to talk a little bit about the idea of empty and full, and I want to make sure that you grasp something. For most of us, what we tend to do as human beings is we tend to say, if I could just and then you can kind of fill in the blank, then I would feel satisfied. In other words, I wouldn't feel this sense of emptiness or longing or whatever we want to term it. And you can even see these different stories that are being played out in that movie, uh, that, that TV series called The Chosen. But I want to just focus on a couple of things very quickly because most of the time what we do is we take a spiritual longing that God has placed within us that is intended to draw us to him and we blame it on other people, situations, and circumstances. We, we blame it on people, places, and things, those things feeling empty. And so because of those feelings of emptiness, we think that the problem lies out there. And so we try to make the fixes out there and never turn it within where God says the actual sense of emptiness is coming from. Are you guys with me so far? Y'all with me? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's go to this slide that's next here. And if you've ever said these things in your mind, maybe you didn't ever say them out loud, but if you've ever just said to yourself, if I could ever just own this one thing or this 
couple of things, you know, if I could ever own my own home or my own car, or if I had that piece of clothing or whatever it might be, you know, if I dressed like this, or if I had this look going on in my life, then I would be happy. Then probably what you're doing is you're attaching that feeling of emptiness to something that's out there and not looking for the real problem, which lies in here. You guys following what I'm saying? Or if you've ever said, if I could ever just have this kind of person in my life, you're probably looking out when it's really in. If you've ever said, if I could just fix this particular situation, then everything would be fine and I'd be happy, you know? And the problem is, once again, out there, not in here. Or if you've ever said to yourself, if I could just achieve this level of success or this level of notoriety, if people knew who I was, then I wouldn't you know, feel this emptiness within myself. The truth of the matter is, is that all that stuff is fool's gold. It's a fool's errand. And it is something that lies outside of you. But the only thing that can fix the inside of you is the one who made you. And his healing touches everything. And if you're looking outside, you're missing the whole point. Now, I I got a question for you guys. And I did put this in the Facebook uh, and also in the deal. Let's go to our next slide here. How many of you guys have ever had a Christmas front room like this? I mean, literally, it's like, my goodness, how much did we spend? And please don't send me the bill until at least February, right? Because like, I mean, that could be some of our front, front rooms, right? Now, how many of you guys in here are parents? Let me see your hands real quick. You, parents or grandparents or, or hopefully you're, never mind. I'm going to get myself confused. Let's go to this next slide. How many of you have ever given a kid a box that had like a $100 toy in it And they were more excited about playing with the box than they are about playing with the toy. How many of you have ever had that experience? (laughs) Okay, like part of you wants to kill something. (laughs) Part of you wants to snatch it up and say, I'll take this back. You can keep the box. (laughs) But there's also a part of you that laughs. Am I right? Why? 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 Here's why. Because all of us within us, we don't want it to be something that we have to buy that will bring us true joy. We don't want it to be something where we have to be a certain person or look a certain way or own a certain thing or know the right people. We want there to be joy that exists that is deeper than those things which are tangible. And we give a kid a silly little box and they play for three hours and we go, I don't have that anymore. It's powerful. It's incredibly frustrating, but it is also illuminating. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen. So here's what it's telling you, that what is going to bring you happiness is not out there. It is in here. And something as simple as a cardboard box, if you are truly happy, will bring you joy. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you, on the flip side of that, do not have joy, no matter what you spend, no matter how much you throw at the problem, the problem don't get fixed by the things that you can buy out there, the things that you can amass out there, the people you can impress out there, the people that you can make a part of your orbit out there, it does not fix it. Spiritual fullness in Christ that Paul is writing to the Colossian church. He's telling them it's something that is found beyond you. It is the one who created you that gives it to you. If you're pursuing it in another way, you will find it to be, y'all know what I'm about to say, right? It's going to be empty. It's going to be empty. So, Here's what I would share with you. Okay, wave goodbye to the cute little kid. All right, now it's just us again, all right? Don't miss this. Reaching the perfect place in your life never fixes the empty because you will never reach perfection, amen? How many of you know that you will never reach perfection? Can I get an amen? How many of you know that your spouse will never reach perfection? Can I get an amen on that? I knew I'd get a bigger amen, right? Okay, but perfection is only found in the perfect and there's only one who is perfect, the capital P, and that is our Lord. And that is why spiritual fullness is found in Christ 
as Paul writes. Let's keep moving here. And I want to give this to you as the something to learn. Paul likely never visited the city of Colossae. That's, that's the, the Colossian letter, the Colossians who live. We're, we're Houstonians. We live in Houston. They are Colossians. They live in Colossae, okay? So in chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, and chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes a couple of things that make us see that more than likely he never actually visited them. Now, hang with me because this may take a minute for you to grasp what I'm saying, but I want you to hear it. If he's writing to them and saying, I want you to understand the spiritual fullness that you have in Christ, he's writing to somebody that he's never actually seen in person. The Bible does not tell us in Acts that he was ever anywhere closer than 100 miles from the city of Colossae. That's what we know. He may have swung up there, but more than likely he did not. And you may be thinking, what does this matter? Here's why it matters. Because in this letter, Paul shares principles of living a godly life with Gentile believers. And he shares these truths boldly, not even knowing their personal histories. Now, follow me on this. You can go back and read these passages of Scripture, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, or chapter 2, verse 1, which says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. If I've met you personally, I have an opportunity to know you, know your story, know your difficulties, know your challenges, know the difficulties that you have to overcome. But Paul has not met these people. So it's all the more powerful when Paul says, you've been forgiven of all of your sins. And he emphasizes all. And then he goes even deeper and says, wait, there's more. He took away the spiritual indebtedness from us. In other words, the things that were put on our account. And we all know what accounting is happening because tax day is coming, right? I mean, we know what that's all about. And we know what we owe is on our ledger sheet. And that doesn't get wiped away. But what Paul is writing to the folks there in Colossae, he's saying, God forgave all of your sins and took all of those things that were on his books and he wiped them totally clean. Now, how can you say that when you've never even met the people that you promised that to? Here is what I want you to know. If Paul didn't know them, but he had the confidence to say that God has forgiven you of everything and wiped your slate totally clean, then it is a reality that you can take to the bank and know that it involves you. And if you are one of those people who says, yeah, but Randy, you've not known what's going on in my past. You don't know what I've done or what I haven't done. You don't know the times that I failed God. You don't know the times that I failed, the things that I wanted to do but I did not do. I'm here to tell you that if Paul can write it to people that he's never met, people that, by the way, grew up in the Roman world, which we like to think of the Roman world and the Christian world as, oh, it was good. No, I'm telling you, it was out there. It was wild. It was risque. I'm glad the kids aren't even in here. I'm telling you, it was rough. It was not good. They, they worshiped every single idol that they possibly could. Their gods that lived like way, what they wanted to live like were involved in adulterous affairs, not only with other gods that were married, but also those people that they ruled over on the earth. I mean, it was out there and it was a part of their religion. Anything that we know to be going on in religion, it's that times 25 or 30 at least in the ancient world. And Paul said, you have been totally forgiven. Everything that you've ever done has been washed clean and your slate has been wiped clean before God. That is powerful news. I've never met you, but here's what I know. I know you're forgiven. That's what Paul's saying. So you know what that means for you and me? It means no matter where we've been, no matter who we've been, no matter what we've done, that still applies to you and to me. And because of that, we don't have to feel empty anymore. Now, I'm going to go a little deeper today on this, the concepts, not the stories of other people. But if you've ever had, like I have, things in my past that put a pit in my stomach when I think about those things that I did or that I did not do. 
The things that I should have done, and I knew it in the very moment that I should have done it, but I still didn't do it. If you have any of those, I'm here to tell you that just as Paul wrote to them in Colossae, I can say to you, you were dead in your sins, uncircumcision of your flesh, but God has made you and me alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of the legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it all away and he's nailed it to the cross. Isn't that great news to know that you have been forgiven no matter what? And so whenever you feel that feeling of empty, whenever you feel the feeling of empty rising within you, the point is not to drive you away from the one who forgave you. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. But that's what we do as people. We run from the only one who can cure us of the empty. And so here we see in this passage of Scripture, we grasp it's not about us anymore. It's all about Christ. And we're living on a whole different worldview. And it's so important. So here's the big idea. I want to just talk about this big idea, and then we're going to go a little deeper. Christ came to save you from your sins and from yourself. He didn't just simply come to save you from your sins. He came to save you from your sins and from yourself. Would you guys say this along with me, please? Christ came to save you from your sins and from yourself. If you guys would like to, y'all can point at me. Y'all can say, Pastor Randy, Christ came to save you from your sins and from yourself. If y'all, if y'all would like to do that, y'all feel free. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Christ came to save me from my sins and from myself. And the good news is, is that although y'all are all pointing at me, laughing at me, saying it's me, it's also you. And I'm not there going to point at any of you, but all of you, it is true. So here's what we know. We've been saved from sin. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is good for us. You're like, of course it's good for us. Yeah, this is the good one that we like. We're going to talk about the one that we don't like here in a minute. But we're going to talk about being saved from sin. Let's talk about it very quickly. Saved from sin in Colossians 2. I already read this passage of scripture. It begins with a clean slate and complete forgiveness of all of our sins. I've already talked about it. I've already even read this scripture. It's condensed down here on this slide, but let's go to this next slide. And can I just share with you, this again tells us he forgave us of all of our sins. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. How many of you guys have ever seen this movie? Any of y'all ever seen this? How many of y'all have seen the recent Batman movie? Any of y'all watched that one? It's called The Batman. It's got Robert Pattinson in it. And I can, I can actually act very, very much like he does the entire movie. Ready? Hold on. Let me, let me, let me channel it. I'm really upset about it. I mean, it's just, it's pretty bad. I'm, I ain't gonna lie. He's not exactly the world's best actor. You do not know the amount of joy that this movie brought to me. And I'll tell you why. If you know that I have a, a three daughters, I love all three, but I have a very special place in my heart for each and every one of them. They're, they're just each one so unique, and I love my girls as a group, but I love them individually. The one that's been cracking me up the most recently is my middle daughter, the one that you guys probably know least because she's married. She's off and gone, right? I told you all about knowing about the, <laughs> the finances part. So anyway, she, if you don't know who Taryn is, Taryn is my middle daughter. She's amazing. She used to play the piano for us. She's got an incredible voice. She is an amazing and talented kid. But probably her hidden talent is one that you've never would have expected of her. And that is, she's about four foot 11 and three quarters. She'll tell you that 11 and three quarters, right? Because she's just like, just, just this tiny little bit. So she's this little bitty thing. I've got a leg that weighs more than my middle daughter. All right, that's just a thing. But what she constantly does is she does the voice of Bane. Did any of y'all ever see this, this movie? Oh, oh, Batman. You know, that kind of voice is really crazy and weird. Okay, if some of you have never seen this, it's not funny if you haven't seen it. It's pretty funny if you have, but my little four foot, <laughs> thank you, a couple of y'all are smiling and laughing. Okay, this is a great movie. 
I had to go back and watch the trilogy once I saw that the Batman was out. I was like, okay, here's how you really do it the right way. And this was all the way back in 2012. This is still by far a better movie, okay? Trust me. But in this movie, do you know what they're after? They're after a program that you can plug into a computer and it takes all of your past and it wipes it away. It's called the clean slate. It's called the clean slate program. And literally there is a a character who is fighting against Batman to make sure and keep that program that she wants so that she can be forgiven and forgotten in her past. And at the end, these, okay, spoiler alert, it's 10 years later if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, they end up together in a cafe, you can close your ears, but they are sitting there and they have both left their old life behind and they have a smile on their face, they're peaceful because they have engaged in leaving all of their past behind. They have gotten the clean slate that they were looking for. Now you see why I'm talking about this? Because God has given you a clean slate. The question for you is whether or not you will engage the program or whether you will argue against the program. Because for most of us, it's there. Well, for all of us, it's there. But for most of us, we will not engage the program. We'll argue why it's not good enough for us. And you know what? I can't beg you enough to live your life in a way that you have been given a clean slate, but I'm telling you, if you can get to the place where you can embrace that the God that you sinned against in the first place is the one who can forgive you of all of it, then maybe you can find the peace and say, you know what? I don't get it. I don't deserve it. But somehow I've been given the clean slate that I need. All through the grace of God. And if you feel empty, don't rush away from the only one who can actually provide you the very thing that your soul craves the most, and that is forgiveness and the clean slate. Let's go to our next slide. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I could just stop right there. I I highlighted that. If you can only remember one verse of Scripture, this is very short and very memorable. I share it all the time because I know that so many Christians are walking around feeling like they've been condemned, like God is mad at them and just looking for a reason to put the kibosh on them and knock them down and knock them back a few pegs. That's not who God is. That is not what he wants to do. He says, instead, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life. He set us free from the law of sin and death. It was what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. And then it goes on, and in the next part of the verse, it says, so God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit. In other words, we're living on a whole new set of rules, and those are the rules that God gave us to his creation. We take that, and we don't always understand it. We know we don't deserve it, but we take it, and we run like we stole something, all right? That's what we need to do. Like, just make sure, don't take it back, because we need it desperately. So very quickly, we talked last week a little bit about how Jesus calls out the empty in the woman at the well. And that's the one that we talked about last week. You may or may not remember. You may or may not have been here. But Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman at the well says to Jesus, sir, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to drink and draw water. In other words... That's what I need. Whatever that is, that's what I need. Help me to understand what it means. Do you guys remember? Let's go to our next slide. This is the Samaritan woman at the well. You can go back and listen to the, uh, the things that I preached on last Sunday. You can also go back and watch uh, lesson eight, episode eight 
uh, of the, the chosen. It's really good as well. Let's keep moving here. But do you remember what I talked about? How there is a feeling of hurt. And you remember I called Miss Donna up here from the front row. Donna, you remember that, right? We're, I'm glad to see you back. I ain't gonna lie. I thought it was possible. You're like, I ain't coming back and I sure ain't sitting on the front row, but yet here you are. So come up here again, if you would, please. <laughs> yes, I'm serious. Come here. Do you guys remember what I was talking about last week? Do y'all remember? And I talked about, first of all, I talked about how I was jealous of her arms, right? And y'all pray for me. I'm not supposed to covet. Um, and I talked about her having a sore or a hurt or a harm here. And how if I was going to heal her of this hurt or harm, it was going to hurt. How many of you have ever had somebody help you, but you wanted to hurt them back, right? Why? Because it hurt. What's the difference between hurt, you know, harming someone and healing them? I, I could tell you a story, and I, I am going to get to you. Hang, hang tight for me. I could tell you a story about waking up, knocked out cold on a table, and somebody had taken a knife to me. And you'd be like, that's horrible, Randy. Yeah, doctor. And then he wanted me to pay him for it, right? He, he, he took a knife to my gut. He did this to me. Can you believe it? You're like, of course he did. I'm like, what are you talking about? Nobody takes a knife to somebody while they're sleeping is a good person. You can't do that. You're like, yeah, he's a good person because you've got something wrong. He's healing you, not hurting you. He's healing you, not harming you. The difference is the intent, not even the instrument most of the time. Do you guys understand? And so what I talked with Donna about is I talked about how if I was going to heal this spot, that I probably would hurt her, but it would be clean, and it would be made whole, and then it would heal correctly. And so for most of us, that emptiness that we feel in our past feels like a hurt that's being pressed. But the intention is not to hurt or harm, but to bring healing. Now let's be real clear and let's be real honest. For most of us, if you're like me, I can't take a lot of pain. And so I get one of those and I'm like, I ain't going back there again. And we run. Right? You see what I'm saying? So when we talk about how the Lord has come to save our souls and save us from our sins, but they, he has also come to save us from ourselves, the sin part we get, but when it becomes really personal, it feels like that. But here's the problem. If we don't feel that, we don't think that it really applies to me. You see what I'm saying? Lord, save me from my sins. I'm a sinner just like every other person in the world. Oh yeah, well, let's talk about the fact that you've had five husbands and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. You're like, oh, 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 that's way too personal. That hurts. The Lord says, I gotta bring that out so that you might be healed. My intention is not to hurt, but to bring healing. So when we say we want to be saved from our sins, yeah, we want that, as long as we don't have to be saved from ourselves. Because that's when it really gets personal. That's when the pastor starts meddling, <laughs> saying stuff he ain't supposed to say. You see what I'm saying? Can we still be friends? God bless you. Thank you. Okay. So you guys see what I'm saying. And I, and I brought her back up here because you probably remember that thing that we talked about last week. This is what I'm saying. When Jesus speaks to her in this way, it hurts. But she is on the precipice of being healed of something that she's been running from her whole entire life. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you literally can see victory from some place that you've never even been able to see a glimpse of it in your life. But it is possible through the power of Jesus 
not in your own way. But I will tell you that he probably will make you dependent on other people and other believers. And he most certainly will make you dependent on him in ways that you will not be fully comfortable with. Because the truth of the matter is, is that when Colossians chapter 2 mentions circumcision, and yes, I'm glad the teenagers are in the back right now, okay? Whenever he talks about circumcision, he gave that, to the, he gave that covenant to Abraham. When Abraham was not a child, but Abraham was a full-grown man, and he embraced the covenant of circumcision. Now, y'all know what circumcision is, right? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be very clear. If you want to talk about circumcision of a full-grown man, most men in here go, mm. we can't even be comfortable sitting still and talking about it because it's going to hurt in ways that are reserved for a woman in childbirth. Can I get an amen from the men, right? Okay. I'm sorry, ladies, I'm just teasing. But here's what I would say. Ultimately, what is he saying? The idea of being circumcised of heart means if it hurts in the most tender, difficult, embarrassing, scary way, you still embrace it because it is the Lord bringing healing into your life. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm telling you that when God chose that as his view, as his work being going on in Abraham's life, he was basically saying the most difficult thing for you to see yourself doing and volunteering for is what you're going to do so that you can follow me with your whole heart. And here, Paul mentions how we are to be circumcised in our hearts. And this is where we come back to what I was saying most of the time, we want God to save us from our sins, but we don't want him to save us from ourselves because the truth of the matter is, is that there's parts of us we kind of hate and we kind of like at the same time. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that, but I knew it was true, right? It's true. You kind of don't like it, maybe 80%, but there's probably about 20% of us just like, meh, I'm pretty comfortable with it, actually, after all. Anyway. All right, so very quickly, I want to just keep moving here. Um, man, Alicia, I got off track. Hopefully you just click to the next slide and see if I can figure it out. The difference between guilt and shame. And I talked a little bit about this, and I want to take just a quick moment more. Guilt brings the hurt, and then it brings repentance and healing. This is the doctor Guilt is the one that reminds us that we have that emptiness and we need somebody to fix it. Shame is the one which brings hiding behaviors and brings secrets. We're so ashamed that we can't admit to ourselves. And by the way, admitting something is wrong is a humble act. And it is very difficult for us to humble ourselves, especially these days. But listen to what Proverbs 28, 13 says. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them will find what word? Mercy. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. Guilt versus shame. Shame is the tool that Satan uses to keep us away from the only one who can actually free us from our guilt and from our shame. Let's go to our next slide. Don't miss this. Most of us want what Christ, uh, most of us want Christ to save us from our sins, but not from ourselves. But he's here to do both. He's not here to be the savior of the world. He's here to be your personal savior and my personal savior. And in that, rippling out towards the entire world. Let's go to our next slide. Save from self in Colossians chapter 2 grows within us as we become more like him in both our attitudes and our actions. It says in Colossians chapter 2, he says, In him, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. He says in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, Rooted and built up, become mature in your faith. Don't just simply be saved from your sins and sit there. 
Be saved from your sins and then allow it to take root and hold. And I would just simply say, I don't have a ton more time to speak about it, but I'm here to tell you that if your life doesn't look pretty dramatically different and on that same path towards change, then you probably have been saved from your sins, but you haven't chosen to be saved from yourself yet. And God came to do both. It's so important that we grasp this. Very quickly, and I want you to notice this, the empty will fill. (laughs) Have you ever heard that old saying that nature abhors a vacuum? In other words, if there's a vacuum or a space, something's going to fill it. It's always filled by air, but probably water and various things like that. It's going to be filled. And actually, God and his son tells us the same exact thing in the book of Matthew when he says, you know what, there, is, there have been people that have been actually literally possessed by a demon, a, a spirit within them, and then that demon has been cast out, but instead of running to the one who could cast out the demon, they said, no, I'm good, I've got it fixed. It's like the medication works, so why should I take it more than once? But here's what Jesus says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest, And it does not find it. But then it says, I'm going to return to the house that I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept and clean and put in order. And then what does it do? It goes and it takes with it seven more spirits, more wicked than itself. They go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. In other words, you better believe that turning over a new leaf does not do the trick and it does not do what you're looking for it to do because ultimately you will turn back and that vacuum that has been created will not sustain or stay there. Instead, you need to grasp that emptiness can only be filled the correct way with fullness. And by the way, look in this passage of scripture again. This is created and kind of crunched down the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10 together. I just want to read it here. It's from Colossians chapter 2. It's on our next slide. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to what? Fullness. That means the key to getting rid of the empty is found in Christ and in Christ alone. He's the one who brings you to fullness. So very quickly, here's the big question. What areas of your life are showing signs of growth? Are you a person who's actually moving towards that being rooted and built up? Have you been able to show signs of seeing where that thing that you used to be, that person that you used to be, is starting to fall back and the, the, the Christ-likeness is starting to emerge because the problem for most of us is we've not found the, the Christian life to be, you know, something that we've tried and found wanting. It's been tried and figured out to be pretty hard to keep on, and then we turn back, right? And so then we turn around and go, I, I gave religion thing a try. <laughs> yeah, and it ain't religion. It, it just ain't religion that you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be embracing the Christ that one who chose you, that one who called you for a purpose, all of these things and so much more to say, but no more time left. This is your big question. What are your practices and what are those things that are going on in your world showing you about you moving towards what God wants you to be? And then the next one here is how you apply. You identify a growth area. Maybe it's you know that you're not as close to the Lord. You know that you're not as close to other people. You know that you don't rely on people. You know that you need to do better with the things that you say and the encouragement that you are. All of those different things that you can become. You know there's a growth area for you and for me. We need that. And once we identify it, we make ourselves accountable to someone else and say, I'm going down this path. Please hold me to it. Hold my feet to the fire so I don't give up and turn around and just repeat the same cycle over and over and over again. So we come to the end, but let me just kind of put a a, a bow on this whole thing. We are in the Easter season and February, April 17th is going to be Easter. And we talk so much about Easter and we look forward so much to Easter. 
And it is true that Easter is, to me, the most important day in the entire year. It's the day that Christ wins victory over sin and hell and death and all of these things that held us in chains have been broken. It's a huge day. But the problem for most of us is that we live Easter one day of the year and then forget that the power that made Easter possible is always there for us every single day. And so when Christ came, we were like, this is awesome. He came and he saved us from our sins. Yeah, he came and saved us from our sins. But here's the even better news. He came and it is possible to also be saved not only from your sins, but it's also possible to be saved from yourself. He's not just the savior of the world. He's your personal savior who knows all that you've done and not done, loves you anyway, wiped it all clean, and can change that pattern and that habit and change your whole life if you will let his power run free in your life. Let's check out this video. We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same, to go into the world to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter, the greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work.